0: Good evening. Today is Monday, November 20th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Aaliyah. Thank you, Aaliyah.
1: Good evening, everyone. My name's Aaliyah, I'm a Recovered Compulsive Overeater um you'll have to forgive me i was told that i was speaking on there is a solution step one tonight um so with that uh bill's story (laughs) um let's see where god takes us tonight i am um gratefully recovered as of october 10th 20 no october 5th 2021 uh, I've been s- sustaining a 85 pound weight loss. Um, I surpassed my goal weight. I never thought I could get under a certain number. I thought everyone was crazy for, you know, saying that I should possibly maybe try for um, 20 pounds under that number. But when I truly surrendered to this program, I gave my weight to higher power. I focused on my recovery and I lost the weight that I should. And I weigh every month on the fifth and I weigh exactly the same every single month. Uh, I follow a weight and measured food plan that does not include any of my alcoholic ingredients. I was really gonna dive into, um, there was a solution and what the problem was. And really talk about how this disease centers in my mind, and how how I have a body that can't tolerate my alcoholic food ingredients and a mind that won't that can't leave alone. And um, so yeah, I'm gonna open it up to to Bill's story. And Bill's story, you know, I really I really had to read it with an open mind and and look for the similarities. And how did I? think like he thought, you know, how did I feel the same way that he did around, you know, um, just around, you know, like, how does my mind work the same? And then how is it similar in the progression of his illness? And, um, you know, assignment that I got on early on, and that I always give to my sponsees is page one through eight, I underline and highlight what I can relate to. So if I just read what I highlighted, it's gonna tell a Leo story, and I'm gonna be able to identify with um with the founder, with one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. So you know, in excitement, I discovered food. Uh, I was very lonely, and again, turned to food. Ominous warning I failed to heed. I proved to the world I was important. That was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. I had arrived. That disgusted me, I went back to the food. Tomorrow was another day. I was to have no real employment for five years or hardly draw a sober breath. Food ceased to be a luxury, it became a necessity. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation and there are periods of sobriety which renewed my family's hope. I saw I could not take as much as one bite. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone pushed uh, something my way and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. And um, you know, when I I read this um, with others, And when I'm asked to contemplate and consider these questions, I have to look at, um, you know, where did I still think I can control the situation? And, you know, I am so grateful for every attempt, for every woman I've ever asked to sponsor me in this program, for everyone I called and said, I can't do this. Will you please help me? And they said, yes, you need about 24 to 48 hours to clear the allergy. Let's read the doctor's opinion, follow a food plan. Um, And I would with all earnestness say like, I'm done. I am so done and I meant it. And then within, you know, around three o'clock is usually about how long I lasted. Suddenly the thought would cross my mind to go to the store and get X, Y, Z. I had three stores and I had three things that I would get at each of them and I'd start the rounds and it was as if um was as if something was in my mind controlling the levers in my brain and like forced me to drive to the store and then that night or the next morning i would swear off you know like i have this disease that centers in my mind that tells me the lie that this is too painful. This is too uncomfortable. You cannot handle this grief. You cannot handle this pressure, the overwhelm of being a single mom to three kids, a widowed parent to three kids, you know, the overwhelm of life growing up in an alcoholic home, you know, all the trauma that I went through. My parents have been married and divorced four times, multiple stepdads, multiple deaths, multiple car crashes, alcoholism. You cannot handle life, you need to take a bite. And so I would take a bite, and then the bite would take me, you know, and then that's all I could feel was full. I couldn't think about anything else, because all I could feel was full and stuffed. And that's all I can complain about nothing else mattered. And, you know, it ceased to be a luxury, it became a necessity, because I really had no way else to deal with the pain and grief of my life. My husband died when I had six months sober in Alcoholics Anonymous on July 11, 2014. My kids were two, four and five at the time. And raising three kids, you know, as a as a early sober person, I was 31 years old. I did not know how to do life. Like I still to this day barely know how to meal plan and budget and I have almost 10 years sober in AA. And so you know, when I Was trying to get abstinent and trying to put the food down. My rage would be so high that it only took like one kid not doing what I thought they should, and I was just off to the races to oblivion. And so it says, renewing my resolve, I tried again, and I tried. I for about a year straight, I weighed and measured my breakfast every single morning and made about two calls you know, did some prayer and meditation, and by noon or 3 p.m., I was had the thought would cross my mind, and I would go straight to the store and start the cycle all over again. Uh, it says I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and so I did, and that was it. If I took one bite and the obsession, you know, the allergy was triggered. I was condemned to go on until oblivion, until I passed out, until I I honestly couldn't stuff another bite in me. And I would go to bed and I'd wake up with that high resolve and do it all over again. Um, So in Bill's story, page seven, it says, though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And so I started listening to a phone meeting that studied the big book of alcoholics anonymous and I heard about entire abstinence when they went through the doctor's opinion early on in about 2014 2015 and I would listen to them and I and so I started to hear that like I couldn't have just one that I was you know I had this allergy and so I started to learn that I was bodily and mentally different but even that even knowing that it did nothing for me. I knew and I heard that but I couldn't stop. It, it did nothing for me. Self knowledge availed me nothing. Um, so on page eight, it said I had been overwhelmed. Food was my master. And I do what my master says. My master tells me to eat, I eat. My master tells me to do x, y and z. I do what it says. It's my master. And um, it says how dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Now, here's the thing. When I'm living in black and white on this side of the wall of freedom, and you guys are on the other side of the wall of freedom, and you're living in color, and you know what freedom looks like, you know what freedom tastes like, you know what freedom feels like. I've never had that experience. I only know pain and suffering. So I can't even begin to imagine what freedom is like on the other side of that wall. And so like during this process of this step one and coming to realize like how condemned I was that I, you know, was condemned to either continue to eat and gain weight, this I believe I know. For a fact, I have a progressive, fatal, and permanent illness. And I was gaining weight rapidly, and I couldn't stop. I wanted to stop, and I couldn't stop. And you guys are all on the other side, waving this freedom flag. And you're like, just surrender, surrender. And I, it, it took just such a deep leap of faith to just step off, and you know, from bridge to shore, and to say, okay, I trust that when my sponsor, when she's armed with the facts about herself. And when she tells me that when she walks the circle of the grocery store and she sees those things over there that they look like cardboard to her and that she wouldn't touch them for a million dollars and that her life is incredibly more wonderful as time passes, I have to take her hand and trust that she is someone that knows what she is talking about. Now, if it minutes, was- minutes, Aaliyah. 10 minutes, thank you. So if it was just her, telling me that you know I'd maybe question it that she was crazy like you want to eat a cupcake for a million dollars however there was hundreds upon hundreds of people that I was watching and hearing recover and they're all kind of doing the same thing and so when i reached my bottom i had during these relapses I gained information about my illness along the way. And I started to truly believe. At one time during a relapse, I, I tried a different, this diet, and I listened to the book, and it convinced me. It gave me the science behind and the studies that they did why I needed to commit my food the night of or in the morning of. And then so I surrendered to committing my food because I learned that like in a relapse accidentally. During another relapse, I had tried this diet, and I went to the doctor and they tested my cholesterol and they said, You have really high cholesterol, we're gonna put you on a lower cholesterol diet. And I couldn't follow it. So I went back to OA. So I had cut out high fat ingredients. And you know, during that like first 10 days, like I wasn't fighting the gorilla anymore. Like I was allergic to high food fat ingredients, but I, I didn't know it. And I accidentally, through a relapse, found out that I was allergic to those things. And when I put them down, that time I was able to get like 10 days of like contented abstinence because I wasn't fighting the gorilla like you know and then I I've had probably 50 day ones you know day two day four day tens and I don't know like one time I was like in the middle of a four step and I was like really experiencing a lot of feelings and I hadn't truly taken a second and third step. Like I hadn't truly fully um conceded what it meant to like choose your own conception of a higher power that worked for me. And when that choice point came, you know, when the thought crossed my mind because I wasn't recovered yet, I went with that thought instead of my higher power. And then that next time around, I was truly able to take a second and third step and it was transformational. It threw all my old ideas to one side and I was granted with a new conception and a whole new set of ideas and beliefs about a power that I could utterly abandon myself to. That when those thoughts came during a fourth step or when the grief came or, you know, why God did you decide to take him and not me? you know, he was the better parent. He really was. He listened, he got down on one knee, he looked them in the eye, he had patience like an angel. Me, like, I tell my kids this day to go look it up on Google. Like, I do not know, stop asking me questions. Like, God, why did you take him and not me? Like, those were the kind of questions I would wrestle with, with my higher power. So how am I supposed to utterly abandon all of me to this higher power that I truly resent? you know that i'm mad at and so in this step two and three experience this last time around like i just got completely honest and willing and open-minded and i worked this program like i didn't have another fighting chance in me i said i'm gonna do this thing and i'm only gonna do it one more time and if it doesn't work Kill me! Like I don't know what else to do. I have asked over thirty women to sponsor me. I've tried this for years now. I've given most of my life. I said it would be insane. That's insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It would be insane to ask another sponsor to sponsor me and try to do this again. So I quit for about five, seven days, and I just said, "F it." And I just put in the chat, "Will someone sponsor me?" Someone asked me to come at my food that night. I did. The next day I went to a meeting, I cried, I shared, and I haven't had to eat since. And pretty quickly, God removed this obsession to eat off my food plan, and it never has returned. And I don't know how or why, but my life has been more traumatic in the last two years than my first year of sobriety in AA. I hit a bottom so deep with my kids and with my middle son hitting a mental health crisis that... God got me abstinent right at the right time because what I needed was a deep and effective spiritual connection to handle the grief and the pain and the chaos and the trauma that was about to come. And so I would spend my time in morning meditation and a thought would cross my mind, call this person, or like my phone would ring and, you know, I was making these connections and someone told me about this program or someone told me about these types of meetings. And it says the most, you know, the, the the spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative and so i was able to like restore my my health my spiritual mental well-being my health by going to god in that prayer meditation and really tapping into this resource that was deep down inside all along but it was blocked by these worldly clamors and pomp and worship of what you think of me and you know like and all these other things. And so like during this during this last time of getting abstinent, I had to put myself in a food rehab. And I would ask myself, if I could go to a food rehab, would I? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Can I? No, not possible. So what did I do? I created one. And I would say, if I was in a food rehab, would you be doing X, Y, Z? Nope, it was gone. Would you be going out with girlfriends? Nope, it was off the table. Would you be going to the gym? Nope. Would you be committing your food? Yes. Would you be taking your prescription, your medicine? Yes. So I had a podcast in my ear. I had people on the phone. I did my prayer meditation. I went to meetings with my camera on. I took notes. I sent those notes to my sponsor and I gave this thing my all because I didn't have anything else. I didn't have any, any other option. There was no other option for me. And so when I truly surrendered all, you guys threw that life raft in step two and pulled me over that brick wall, and I was able to finally see in color. And God removed that obsession, teed off my food plan. I would say, any thought teed off my food plan is from my disease, and my disease wants me dead. What am I willing to do instead? Because I truly believe that when I show this power that I'm willing by taking a humbling action, like committing to a food plan. Like sending a gratitude list to my sponsor, even though I'd been writing gratitude lists for 10 years in AA, almost eight years, whatever it was. I just did it. I said, yes, okay. God just wanted a demonstration of my willingness, wanted me to surrender my self-will, wanted me to surrender my little thoughts, ideas, and plans and then God gave me this beautiful life. Like I know I'm veering off of Bill's story. I was not prepared to speak on Bill's story, but he kind of does go into the last, you know, few pages of, you know, the progression, how bad it was, you know, the birth of the birth of AA. And I truly believe like it all started in this moment when Ebby Thatcher was assigned to um Ciber Graves and Roland Hazard through the Oxford group. Um through court that day and they said come with me you know we've we've got this plan and so the judge who was zebra gave's relative sent ebby thatcher with these oxford boys and he worked the six tenants of the oxford group and it was a straight edge christian program give your life to jesus and then you go give your testimony and i've heard that ebby went begrudgingly he didn't want to go and they said, "Well, you're. Do you want to go back to jail because you agreed to do this?" And he said, "Fine." So God used his begrudgingness and Ebby went and he shared his story with Bill. And now here's where I think this intuitive thought, this birth of Alcoholics Anonymous came. Women, laughed. I-, I can't believe it. He came from this Christian group, and in that moment, he was able to say, "Why don't you choose your own conception of God?" And right there, Bill said that I see you know, where he stood behind the shadow at last melted. And for the first time he was able to feel and see God. Now, where did that thought come from? Because that is not an Oxford group thought or a tenant. And that's what I believe. Like, you know, this program is just full of these magical mysteries and moments and these intuitive thoughts that come when I'm able to put the food down and be in alignment with God and the spiritual principles And by utilizing, you know, God with Skin On and all of you and coming here to share my story on Bill's story tonight, I had no idea, you know, and, you know, and I just love the promises and the steps that he gives on page 13. And, you know, the hope that we get to see that happen for our founders and and this beautiful program, I'll forever be grateful for the path that they laid out so that we compulsive overeaters can recover and live a happy, joyous and free life from food. With that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Wow, Aliyah, that was so divinely inspired. <laughs> you packed so much in. That was, I'm going to go back and listen to it again. It was just amazing. That was the chapter I'm sure you're supposed to speak on. Grateful you're here. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And um, we will call on you and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. And I see Amy first. Uh, Oh, with the time, sorry, with the timekeeper who is Carla. Please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, Amy's up.
2: Thank you. Amy B., compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state today, recovered from the food for today, one day at a time. Uh, Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, everybody who read. Thank you, everybody here tonight for the service of being here and Aaliyah, holy moly that was fire um you, you did tell Aaliyah's story bill's story through bill's story which is such i'll speak for myself I I too had trouble identifying with Bill's story at the beginning, saw the differences and not the similarities. And you just gave him a, a, a beautifully just God and big book inspired masterclass in how it is our story, our common problem. You prepared to talk about our common problem and our common solution. If you did just that. It was um, amazing. The miracles Bill's story talks about, witnessing miracles about being um swept up by miracles and and then carrying miracles and um i'm gonna uh, i really i'm i'm praising the principles here alia you are a miracle you you are testimony that miracles happen your your story is a service um you're talking about how many day ones you had like i remember witnessing the the miracle happen for you and just it is it is humbling and amazing and to hear you talk so passionately about the book and the history and your personal connection is um it is inspiring it is uh uh i mean it's it's it it reminds me again how lucky i am to be here how beautiful it is to be able to take a new view of old ideas which i hear in bill's story which i heard you say um You made me feel like a newcomer tonight in the best possible way. Um, I'm so grateful. So grateful I was here live. So excited to hear it again. I pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Amy. Joanna is next. And if you're able to turn your camera on, Joanna, that would be great. Hi.
3: Hi, everyone. Joanna, compulsive overeater and orthorexic in New Jersey. I am cameras off tonight because i'm like in my room in pitch blackness <laughs> but um i really loved your share Leah. i've never heard you um share your story before and i am just so moved by it and i'm so sorry to hear that you had to go through such immense tragedy um and i really appreciate how honest you were with your relationship with higher power and how you had you know, resentment for the things that you've gone through. Um, I feel like that's not something people talk about it a lot of the time. Um, and that, you know, my relationship is perfect with God and and no, like sometimes I'm really fucking mad at God. Um, and that's okay because God can handle, you know, those types of emotions and questioning and quandaries. So um, that really stuck out to me. And so did the concept of food rehab. I've definitely heard of like a hospitalization period, but I really felt an aversion to it probably because I hate hospitals, but food rehab for some reason is resonating with me more. So a lot to consider there. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you so much, Joanna. Molly is next. Hey, everyone. Good evening.
4: I'm Molly, compulsive overeater and sugar addict. Um, I just I had a question for you, Aaliyah, if you don't mind. First, thank you so much for your share. And thank you, everyone who's in service tonight. I have been in program just about six months and, um, I had a little bit of a rocky October and I'm back on the food plan and doing well. Um, but like things are still kind of mechanical, like 10 steps still feel really mechanical. And sometimes 11 daily, 11 steps still just feels like I do it because I'm willing to do it and I was told to do it. Like, um, I'm just wondering if you ever had an experience like that. I mean, I, I'm trusting the process, but I just I just feel a little disconnected from higher power and I wish I like wanted to do it, you know? <laughs> so I'm just curious if you, I, I did come late, so I apologize if you spoke to that specifically, but I'd just love to hear your experience with that.
1: Thanks Molly for the question. Aliyah recovered compulsive overeater again. Um, I love this question because I don't think I've talked enough about my experience with this, because in the fourth step, it says we took a moral inventory. And in the 10th step, it says we take a personal inventory. And for me, like I did feel like I was, it was rote, you know, like, and when I started to look at that word personal, and because I go to other programs and their 10th step, they had like a different way. I started to realize like, oh my God, like my higher power is infinite and abundant. And, you know, the big book does say like, we know only a little. So like I started to, yes, use the 10 step template and the nightly review, but like personalize it for my character defaults. Like, did I, um, did I check out on social media today and why, what was I trying to escape? You know, did I, um, was I short and unloving towards my kids? Did I not set firm loving boundaries with them, you know, because I have ideals that I made in my sixth and seventh steps. So I look at my relationship ideals at the end of the night, you know, was I this way towards my neighbor? Was I this way at work? Was I this way towards my kids? And I had to make it personal to me that that nightly inventory. And um, the 10th step, because I'm so accustomed to trauma and stress and overwhelm. Not a whole lot of things bug me. I can freaking get through. But was I disturbed? Was I overwhelmed? Was I stressed? I have to learn how to ten step those things. It's not just like was I resentful because I just I, I just have a hard outer shell. I've been through so much. How is I stressed today? Not trusting God, you know. How is I anxious today? Um, you know, if I'm overwhelmed, like I need a 10 step my overwhelm, you know, and the fear that's underlying that and my self centered fear and really take a look at like, and get down because I can check boxes, you know, and I can fill out my nightly review but doesn't it didn't mean anything. And so I had to personalize it. And that was a game changer for me. So I'm so glad you asked that question. I hope it was helpful.
0: Okay, Jill is up next.
5: Hi, everyone. Jill Compulsive Eater um, from California. Aliyah, oh, my goodness. Never heard you. So happy I'm here tonight. I was almost not here. And uh, it's funny, you know, I was, like, really into doing this other task and didn't want to give it up. And then my little alarm went off, and I was like, I have to be there. So really grateful to hear you tonight. Um, what I really appreciate so much is the way you shared about your life and in particular, the trauma that you've had. Um, Because sometimes I feel like there's been too much, like there's just been so much shit and trauma that I'm not going to be able to recover, you know, for any length of time. Um, So it was just very encouraging. Like I could feel your story and feel what you went through. And also your strength, which I think you'd probably say it's hand in hand with higher power. I just really felt that. It was like, oh, my God, I forgot. Like, we can get through anything. Um, and I needed that reminder. So just want to thank you. And I'll pass. Thanks,
0: Jill. Jim is up next.
6: Hi, uh, Jim H. Compulsive over and under eater. Thanks so much, uh, Aaliyah. I really appreciate your share. I was really struck by what you said about living in black and white versus living in color. Um, and also, yeah, I just feel like I'm I'm starting, uh, there's just this new perspective that I didn't even know there was certain ways to live life that are starting to open, it, open up for me. And so I guess I have a two-part question is, um, one, like what is living in color look like for you, even as you're going through challenges? And then two is, I'm just really struggling with sponsees of like when to be firm and when to be like a cheerleader. Cause I really feel like I gotta be a cheerleader because there is this colorful life that they don't know about or have an experience, but then other times I'm like they're kind of they're doing a lot of the work but not all of it I don't I don't know how to like hold them accountable and be a cheerleader that makes sense cheerleader might not be the word but really like hopeful like it is possible it is possible to be different you know um so yeah if you have any thoughts on either of those I'd be grateful to listen
1: Thanks, Jim, for the question. I've never been asked that. And I was sitting here thinking like, yo, what does it mean to be living in color? Um, And that's just it. Like, it's not just black and white. Like, there's a whole rainbow of experiences to be experienced. And like, being placed in a position of neutrality, I get to experience the whole range of human emotions. Like, I get to experience the discomfort. I get to experience the pain. I get to experience the, you know, but I also because of that get to experience the joy and the immense gratitude. I wake up with such a grateful heart. I remember how it used to be and waking up and being like, oh god i binged last night or like oh god i'm abstinent today thank you god like every day i wake up and i thank god for the gift of breath of life and i thank god for my abstinence my sobriety my recovery and i do my whole little gratitude prayers and it's kind of like living in colors like being in the stream of life, like I'm no longer swimming upstream, complaining about the sad state of the nation. Woe is me! If only they would stay put, all would be well. Like, no, stuff happens. I'm in the stream of life, I'm you know, get to relax and take it easy and float downstream and just kind of see life go by with all the brilliance you know i get to notice the leaves change color on the trees and you know and 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 surrender their leaves and decay and then rebirth like i get to witness the whole range of emotions whereas before living in black and white it was like i was eating you know to to die really like but I thought I was eating to live like that was my only solution my only solution was to eat I was condemned um and so how grateful and how beautiful it is to not like have that as my master. mark my master now is infinite love infinite gratitude infinite power and it's a much more beautiful master than you know just being condemned to eat and living in that black and white extreme so yeah that and um The thing I'll say about the sponsors, I had a sponsor that matched my willingness. You know, I called, she'd call me back. I left a voice memo. She would return the voice memo. You know, she reciprocated my willingness and I needed that, you know, and sometimes, you know, like she would back off because I noticed I backed off. And so, but if, if I was willing and I needed her and I was willing to do the work, that woman met me there every single time and held my hand and did cheerlead me, but I was willing to make the effort and show that I was willing by doing the work. And so that's kind of how I sponsor. I will match your willingness. I will reciprocate the energy that you give out. And that's just kind of how I sponsor. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much. And we'll now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares.